Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dyster. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we're doing. But this week, I have Dr. Marissa Schwartz. And she is a talented wordsmith, probably more talented than I am, uh, entrepreneur, a best-selling author who speaks about successful business empires, and she has a master's in communication, a doctorate in literature. So she loves reading, I'm pretty sure, since she got a doctorate in it. And we're going to be talking a little bit about social media and content, all the fun things that people love to talk about. So welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you. And the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I am a Pepsi drinker. <laughs> I don't like warm drinks. And people say, oh, iced coffee, I see. No, it tastes like weakness. I don't. Ah. Well, you could try cold brew, but I understand if it still doesn't taste right for you, it has to be the taste. It, it makes my stomach feel weird. Nah, I'm not into it. Gotcha. Hey, you, you got to drink what you got to drink. I mean, I can't convince you if you just love what you drink. Absolutely. Uh, Pepsi, I just went to the dentist yesterday. He's not happy about my Pepsi drinking, but eh. <laughs> it's all right. They're not happy about my coffee drinking because, well, it stains the teeth anyways. Yeah. But can you give a little bit more about your expertise? I gave a very brief introduction. Sure. Yeah. So my background is writing. I started out as a freelance copywriter about a decade ago. And during that time, I, I got my bachelor's in English and my master's in communication, doctorate in literature. And I was starting this freelance business of copywriting. And I had a lot of clients saying, hey, love your writing. Can you, can you write for SEO? Can you write for social media? Um, and that was when I started building up a team to be able to provide those services. And uh, we've been doing that now for five and a half years. We're ranked top social media and PR company in New York and New Jersey by Thumbtack. And uh, I am a writer for Entrepreneur. My first article came out a few weeks ago about 360 marketing, which is what my company's expertise is on. So social media, ads, PR, yeah, all that fun stuff. And um, my second article just came out yesterday about TikTok. Big fan of TikTok. So, um, yeah, I mean, my I, I guess in a nutshell, my expertise is copywriting, which branches out into all these digital marketing fronts. Gotcha. And when we're on social media, social media has actually changed its inception. We used to have Facebook and Twitter, and it was mostly about pictures, but they were in their own little siloed thing. And then you had Twitter, which didn't really have pictures. It was just all about words. So how can PR pros and marketers keep up with all the top trends because now it's just like i can't keep up with all the different news sites coming up i can't keep up with all the different trends i mean i'm on tiktok but yeah yeah there are so many things and i had kind of the same thing there's a lot of fomo going on like clubhouse came out and i tried i sat on there i remember for four hours one night just sat on there and i'm like this is so boring like i i don't like talking on the phone and that's just like a glorified group phone conversation i'm like ah so i think it's really about and choosing a platform that's right for you. TikTok, 
same kind of thing. At first, I saw a bunch of kids dancing. I'm like, oh, gosh, what am I doing here? And then I slowly started to realize, oh, there are different communities. Like, there's a marketing community on here. There's a women helping women community. This is really cool. So I started joining those and realizing, hey, you know what? I think I can I can have something here. And then I started making my own videos. And uh, I really realized I'm a big TikTok fan. The first video that I made that hit a million views, I'm like, okay, this is legit. Like, I would have had to pay thousands of dollars on any other platforms to get a million views. But on that, organically, I just got a million views. So I'm like, okay, there's something here. So I think it's a little bit about keeping your mind open, keeping your eyes open, and not feeling that platform isn't for you, giving them a chance. Gotcha. I mean, even speaking on Clubhouse, that kind of has exploded for a while and i'm has i mean i'm on it but i'm hesitant to do it because of the microphone on your phone it's not that great and luckily with my mixer i could actually do a trss with it and actually use this mic i'm using right now instead but even then i'm kind of like do i really want to be on like a group chat i guess is the best way of saying it exactly and my least favorite part of or the thing that bothers the most connected to your speakers like I connect everything to my speakers and then it's nice audio and on that not pleasant speakers yeah I mean like I said luckily I can do it through my mixer but I mean this is like a $700 mixer I mean no one's gonna buy a $700 mixer to go and talk on clubhouse and then even moving on to what is the future of social media marketing is so what is going to go on with this i feel like there's going to be the audio section now because facebook twitter even discord has their own clubhouse section and spotify now as well then you're going to have videos with tiktok youtube twitch and which is another socket of live streaming so what's the future of that going to look like i do think video is the future people like seeing other people i've noticed that for the most part people are a lot nicer on tiktok they're actually seeing you you know it's not like twitter where everybody's hiding behind their words the best dangerous thing about twitter is that you know you, you're not seeing the other people it's just word text on the screen so i think that things like video are going to become more it brings people together it makes them feel more part of a community and then of course the audio aspect you know podcasting just keeps getting bigger and bigger and clubhouse is a part of that as well so i, I think that you know video is is the future and audio kind of is too yeah i'm also seeing like from a podcaster myself the delineation between clubhouse and podcasting because they're they're still two different mediums they're the same thing but to me they're different they're subgenres. so clubhouse is live and podcasting can be but not is not really that live yeah pr pros and marketers actually start focusing in on audio content it's exploded all of a sudden during covid it's like hey clubhouse is here you're like wait what you can it depends on your personality type i'm more of an introvert so like for clubhouse i tried but it, you're not happy doing what you're doing people are going to be able to tell i think it's all about leaning into what you enjoy most and people can can tell that i also think clubhouse you, you have to be a shrewd kind of marketer like when i was on there i didn't know anybody who actually started working with other people it was just a lot of uh conversation about big ideas which is great but if your end game is to get new clients I don't know. I mean, I know people who have gotten clients through Clubhouse. I think it's difficult. Though. I think it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I think it's a good strategy for podcasters to use it in different forms. But yeah, I don't really see. It's hard for me to see brands actually use this for getting clients in a way. And then let's talk about, I mean, Facebook is finally getting into podcasting. I and mean, they launched it last month, but a very limited launch 
because people have been asking me about that too. Like, why can't I listen to your thing on your podcast on Facebook? I'm like, because they didn't give it to me yet. So should brands either have their thought leaders be guests or should they start their own podcasting? Is this, are we going to see a feature of more brands being guests and more brands actually starting their podcast? Or are we still going to see it more independent in a way? I think a lot more are starting. They're, they're seeing the value of that. But to that, I say a lot of cases, people should be guests before they become podcasters. Like I've seen a lot of people start podcasts and they haven't listened or they haven't been guests on them. And I'll give an example of when I started my book publishing company, I didn't just start the company. I worked for a book publishing company beforehand. And I'm so glad I did that because I understood the way that works. And some of the mistakes that I so what happened, I avoid that with my own company. So I think podcasts are probably the same way where the intuition might be, oh, let me start my podcast right now. But I would take some time to listen to podcasts, to be a guest on podcasts, understand how it works, how to market it best and then start. Yeah, I mean, well, I did it a different way. I actually just started it because people were like, you have a really great radio voice. I'm like, thanks. And I was like, you should start a podcast. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I may have figured it out, but still, I mean. I had to have a plan before I started something. So I get what you're saying. Like learn from the other people first before you dive into it and be like, Oh, this is more work than I thought. Yeah. Moving on to the video. Cause you said video is the future. Should authors in themselves actually start using video like TikTok, or even they, should they be using clubhouse for their audio side as well? Should authors be doing that? Should they be focusing in on their craft or should they be branching out? Maybe get some outside help for the audio and video side of it. Yeah. Well, I think authors, that's what a lot of people don't realize when they become an author. They think, oh, I'm going to write this great book and people are just going to magically know about it. I know that because I was the same way. And in an ideal utopia world, that would be the case. But realistically, people don't know about your book until they know about it. And to get it out there, you need to do marketing. Uh, and TikTok is, is an amazing way to do that. I've met a lot of great authors just by them promoting their books. Like one of my favorite examples, there's this woman who made a uh, reverse coloring book, meaning that she puts the colors and you have to draw around the colors. Brilliant idea. So she made these viral videos about it. And now books are selling like so well. Uh, so there are a lot of great ways to market. Just show yourself, show who you are. Don't make it super salesy. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it, there are a lot of great opportunities. Also, a lot of the time, people don't necessarily buy the book, they buy the author. Like I read, Tim Ferriss can put up with nonsense on the cover. If Tim Ferriss wrote it, I'm probably going to read it because I'm going to be like, oh, well, he doesn't do anything. He's, he's brilliant. He comes up with a lot of great stuff. So um, I think if you give people good value content, they'll be fans and they'll keep to come back. Gotcha. And I mean, has marketing books changed in the past two years since COVID and everything has kind of thrown everything? Basically, it's the biggest wrench I've ever seen for marketing, especially physical marketing. And a lot of authors would go to bookstores and they would sign their books, but they could do that anymore. So has it changed? Has it been more digital push and getting authors to actually create content more? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so in my book publishing company, that's exactly what we would do a lot of Barnes and Noble signings. I know I would go to the Princeton Library and do readings and like all this different stuff. And yeah, you can't do that. But a lot of them did go to virtual, but it's, it's different. It's a different thing. But, you know, it's it's a lot of um, just kind of going with the flow and uh, figuring out other methods. So maybe instead of spending a few hours at the library doing book signing, we'll do a live stream. 
And that will lead to extra book downloads that we might not have gotten. That in-person audience, they're only purchasing the physical book, but the, the live streams, they're purchasing or you know, even taking the book out on uh, for free on, on Kindle because Kindle allows that. So it kind of eats out. You just had to kind of shift and go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Have you seen virtual events work pretty well for them? Because I know virtual events... From my personal experience, I didn't really like him very much. I kind of was like, I'm bored. I'm going to do something else and have it play in the background. Have you seen it work for authors better than just big, giant events? Because the big, giant events don't seem to work for me. Yeah. I have one author who I think is a great example. She was a, an English teacher, and I went to one of her readings at a local library. She filled that library. There were literally about 250 people in that library, and like it couldn't fit anymore. And uh, it was because, you know, she's so beloved being such a, a long time teacher. So she had a bunch of her students there and then of course uh, fans of her writing and it was packed. And then we did a live stream right at the beginning of COVID and she still, she had a good 400 people. So it was even more people than the library. So yeah, I think it's just about knowing your audience, having that audience. Uh, she did special things for them. You know, she would uh, do pull outs to a lot of her students and stuff. So it's just about making it, in her case at least personal for for the the readers letting them be heard as well and uh she's very humble and was just kind about it and yeah so i mean for the live stream did you guys use like twitch or like youtube or facebook live or periscope or is it called or is it called twitter live i don't know what twitter's doing yeah um well first off the linkedin live drives me bananas because you need special permission to do it i don't have that i don't know how to get that but um, what we usually do is we use Zoom and then uh, we have connected to all the different platforms. So the uh, Zoom is also streaming to YouTube and Facebook and even Instagram at the same time uh, from all those places. Now, I think there's a little bit like, like I think Facebook doesn't like as much. Um, I think that they show it to a little bit less people because they want you to be streaming directly on their platform. Um, but if your goal is to get onto multiple platforms at the same time, I think that's a good way to go about it. And and also change it up. So we do lives in my company and uh, one month we'll do Zoom to all those platforms. Next month we'll do like Instagram. The next month we do Facebook. So we do change it up as well. Yeah, I hear you on the LinkedIn one. I heard it. It's not that hard to get on. You just have to fill out their little form. I guess they're gating it a little bit, which is kind of weird because it's kind of like, wait. Well, LinkedIn's always been behind. I, I swear they've always been behind about everything. So this is just them doing their own slow pace. But do you have any tools that you use for authors or people that are trying to get into live streaming and trying to basically get their personality or their brand out a little bit more? Do you have any tools for that you like to use for people to know about? I think more than tools, it's about engagement. A lot of people will just post, post, post all day and expect people to come to them, but they're not engaging back. So the first step, of course, is somebody follows you say, oh, you see somebody, you know, look at a hashtag. There's actually a Gary V has this dollar eighty principle where every day you give your two cents on uh, nine posts, and just by networking in that way and saying, "Hey, really cool post. Thanks for sharing that value." People go, hmm, "Who's this writing to me?" So little things like that work. And you know, I was a big tool person where back in the day I used IFFT to automatically tweet things out. You know, like Happy Follower Friday, or um, you know, I use Social Jukebox to automate my Twitter posts, but I noticed my engagement just plummet when I did that. People like knowing that there's an actual human behind the post. So less about tools and stuff and more about showing your authenticity and engaging. 
I mean, that is true. People don't want you to just talk about yourself all the time. But I mean, for me personally, if authors want to figure out how to do multi-streaming, Restream is actually a pretty good resource to actually use as well. Just for those that are like, I'm trying to figure out live streaming. Look at that. (laughs) There's a free and paid thing, but look at that. It's pretty good. But when we're talking about authors, what do you think is going to be important for them to know about for social media and content and talking to other people? Should they, as you say, look at the popular hashtags going on and try to give their own voice to it? Should they be on all the social medias or should they be on specific social medias? I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of those authors are like, I want to be everywhere. And you're like, well, maybe not everywhere. Yeah, it depends on, on a, a genre and a few things like that. And it also depends on platforms. So you have different hashtag strategies for each platform. TikTok, for example, you want to use four hashtags and you want them to be like 500,000 uh, videos or more. And, and I like that about TikTok where they actually show you how many people have previously searched for those videos. So I like to look for hashtags that are relatively popular, not super oversaturated. Whereas uh, something like Instagram, you can be more general. Um, I that for that I use a tool called Hashtag Expert, and um, then you could do thirty hashtags per post, and and that's that's great. Like I, I love the um, the thirty hashtag thing that you can actually use that many, and they help, and and you can uh, interact with people through those hashtags. Uh, where some like Facebook though, people use hashtags and I've seen it actually hurt their engagement. That's contested by some people, but that's what I personally have seen and about being on all the platforms. Uh, it depends on your genre. I think if you, like I work with a lot of young adult and new age, I think for them, Instagram, uh, TikTok is great. Twitter, I like a lot and a lot of people don't, but it's amazing for SEO. I think that Twitter is an underrated tool and more people should be using it. Um, you know, if your genre is like a business book or, you know, some kind of nonfiction, you know, uh, manual or something, you're going to want LinkedIn. You're probably going to want Facebook so you can run ads as well. But it really depends on knowing your audience and knowing who's, who's there. So, no, you don't have to be everywhere, but you should know your audience and, and who's where. Mm-hmm. And should people be using hashtags on LinkedIn? I know you can. I don't know if the, the engagement probably helps more than on Facebook because even I use Facebook, I never use hashtags. Yeah, I usually use one or two hashtags in LinkedIn because they really seem to be pushing it. Like they automatically put hashtags in for me sometimes. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll use that hashtag then. So that tells me that they kind of want us to put hashtags in so to have them boost your post more. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is the future of social media in general? I do think it's going to continue to go the way of video, uh, the way that we've seen TikTok just take everything over by storm and the way that even something like Instagram, which was untouchable, now they're shifting away from being an image platform, focusing on video and shopping. It tells you a lot. And that's that's thanks to TikTok, the move toward video. Should PR pros and authors look into actually understanding how to video edit minor video edit i should probably say because you kind of have to figure out how to edit even on tiktok you can retake stuff as well but you still have to figure out that stuff should they learn a little bit of it or should they just farm it out to freelancers for better videos i think that more than learning how to edit they should number one understand what kind of videos do well so like i posted on youtube for 10 years not really knowing what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes. I look at my videos, even from like three years ago, it's like, oh, that's kind of cringy because I didn't know what things that were going to hook people in. Um, so I think more important than knowing your editing and stuff is understanding your why, understanding 
going to get people to continue watching your video um, and also just feeling comfortable on camera. Uh, a lot of people don't feel comfortable on camera. They don't have the confidence, but you know, you need to feel comfortable and have the confidence. So just baby steps, you know, maybe making short videos and then growing from there is, is the best way to go about it. And fun question for you. If you could create any new form of content, what would you create? Um, well, I would love to see some more MR, you know, like if right now you and I are talking, I'm looking at you on my computer screen. It would be really cool if I could just have these glasses and see you like right here in my living room. How awesome would that be? Uh, so that's the kind of content I want to see next, where you have a mi MR meaning mixed reality. So it's a mending, a mixing of virtual reality and augmented reality. So I think that's the future, maybe 20, 30 years down the line, but that's going to be cool. Nice. Yeah, I, I could kind of see that. I mean, VR and AR is still separate and they still got to come together. For audience says no, VR is virtual reality, AR is augmented reality. But any final thoughts for listeners? Uh, just go for it. A lot of people are too scared to um, you know, make video or promote themselves and stuff, but just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? The best always outweighs the worst. All right. Thank you, Marissa, for sharing your knowledge in social media and the author industry or the publishing industry. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. And let us know how we're doing. Join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to TikToking and editing or knowing how to be on video and see you next week. Later.